What's up, party people? You've waited all week, and now it's time. We're live, and the lines are open, so call in now. The Party Galardi Podcast is about to start in three, two, one. And now, here's your host, Party Galardi. Ah, oh, yeah, ah, oh, yeah. What's up, party people? Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. I am, uh, I'm just sitting here and I thought, you know what? I was listening to some great tunes on the radio just a minute ago and I go, I need to make a podcast about music. I absolutely love, love music. And when I start going down this list of the concerts that I've seen in my life, you're going to flip out because I have got such a diverse background of concerts that I've seen. I mean, I will, I will virtually see anything and everything, but before we get into this, let's talk about who we are and who I am and why is the earth round and whatever. I don't know. Let's talk about everything. Damn it. Oh, we don't have that much time. Come on. We, we got to do this in under uh, I don't know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, something like that. So welcome to episode 189 of the party Gallardi podcast. I am your host party. Ow. Yes. I love it. I just love the way that sounds. Party Gallardi. It's so great. I've had that nickname for, oh my God, probably since I was about 13 or 14. Don't ask me how I got it. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Anyways, what is the Party Gallardi podcast? It's a little bit of comedy and it's a lot of life. That's really what it is. I just really want to get behind the mic and I want to talk to you guys about some of the hottest topics out there, at least the hottest topics to me. Nothing to do with politics. I want to talk to you about sex. I want to talk to you about money, business, life, anything and everything that we can think of that just has good and bad involved with it. And yes, politics does, but I don't give a shit about politics. <laughs> so we're not talking politics, all right? But anyways, we're talking about music today because music makes me smile. I really, man, I, I'm telling you, I will go see any concert, anytime. You tell me you got a ticket, you tell me there's a show playing, boom, I am there. I'll tell you, one of the most obscure concerts I had ever seen was uh, a woman by the name of, she's a very, very famous woman um, uh, who's, who's big in Iran and uh, I believe Turkey and all that stuff, but her name is Gagush, uh, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that 100% correct, but I have a lot of Persian friends, and one of my buddies just said, hey, I got a ticket. Uh, somebody canceled on me. Do you want to go? Sure, you bet. No idea. She's up there speaking in Turkish and Farsi and all this stuff, and it was great. It was really enjoyable, and even though I couldn't understand one thing that she was saying on stage, the, the crowd, the audience, their vibe of how much they got into it was amazing. And people actually brought, and I'm not kidding you, they must have been three foot by four foot tall uh, pictures of this woman, this the artist, Gugush. And they were taking, her, taking them up to sta the stage to get this woman to sign like 
full-size posters that were framed of this woman. I mean, she is held in such high regard. It was really, really enjoyable to see that. So we're going to go over some of my highlights of uh, concerts I've seen, a little bit of the history of the concerts I've seen, and we're going to go through some of the lowlights also. But first, let's talk about how you can find me. We already know PartyGalardi.com. That's where you can like, subscribe, download, donate some money if you want to. That's cool. Got to pay for this equipment. Got to pay to get some fucking guests in here, yo. <laughs> so I'll take a dollar to whatever you want to put down. I'm serious. Like a buck. I mean, you can even hand me a buck. All right? That's cool. You won't get the tax write-off, but I'll gladly take a dollar out of anybody's hand. And if you want to bump it up five times that would be five. I'll take anything you want. 50 cents. I'll take change, yo. This equipment's expensive. I'm just playing. You guys don't have to donate. I'm doing this for the love of it. But there is a donate button there if you want to. <laughs> so let's get right into uh, concerts. And again, I, I, I hope I've compiled a very diverse list here for you. It's just some of the concerts of, I think I've seen well over 150 concerts. I mean, I, I think it's probably pushing 200. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of amazed at some of the names I came up with in just the short time I started thinking about it. And as I, as I was going through my closet, I was trying to find a, a t-shirt to wear and I go, oh my God, there's a Van Halen t-shirt. Like I actually bought a Van Halen t-shirt and I found it in my closet. I'm like, that's right. I did see Van Halen right behind it was a Motley Crue t-shirt. I'm like, that's right. I did see Motley Crue. <laughs> so anyways, my first up is my favorite band of all time. And if you know me, you know who this is, you know who I'm talking about. It is undoubtedly Pearl Jam. I am just in love with Pearl Jam. I think, uh, Eddie Vedder is a huge, huge stud. Uh, I love their music, and you know, in the 90s when they came out with this this thing they called grunge, which turned into alternative later, uh, which alternative, in my opinion, in the 2010s, whatever, is just garbage. All that mandolin playing bullshit. I can't stand that music, and I'm so glad this hipster uh, style music. I am so glad that is kind of like fading out. It is just just. Pussies. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it, when you listen to this or whatever, the, the I can't even think of those bands. Not Kings of Leon, you know, they had that one hit, which was great, but kind of that genre era of music right around there. But those, those, those songs that played those mandolins in the background, it just got so fucking tiresome of hearing it. I couldn't stand it anymore. And when you listen to somebody like Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, you just know you missed out, man. If you were if you were a millennial and you weren't born in this dec in that uh, decade or this era, oh my God, you are missing out. So take a listen here to a little even flow by Pearl Jam. Love these guys. Josh, turn these lights out. It's a fucking rock concert. Ready to stand up. Oh, 
I absolutely love this guy. I mean, you should see the video and stuff. People are jumping off stage. They are headbanging. It is just unbelievable and flipping believable. And listen, I got to say, you know, for a guy that, uh, oh, hold on. Here it comes. Here comes the best part. So beautiful, just absolutely love it. Anyways, what I was saying is, you know, a guy that's probably so unbelievably wealthy that doesn't need to work, and I'm sure he just does it for the passion of it, the love of it, and everything. But uh, uh, he really stays out of the limelight, which I really, really admire that about him. Doesn't get caught up in all the bullshit. Married his high school sweetheart. That 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 unmistakable voice. I mean, it was such a, a, a force back then and so incredible. And yes, he is a very outspoken guy when he does get in the limelight and everything. But listen, I, I think he's a very well put together man. I think he's done, uh, I mean, incredible, incredible things. The fact that they just made the um, Music Hall of Fame, I, I was so thrilled. David Letterman announced them. Very, very cool. So that was, uh, I had to start off with my favorite band. I mean, they are just incredible. So last week, let's flip it now. <laughs> let's go to a band that I really enjoyed back in the 90s and saw them in concert last week and am thoroughly disgusted. <laughs> so I will never see them again. And I can't, you know, I, fortunately, fortunately, I had a credit um, through StubHub to uh, go see a concert. I was bored last Thursday night. And, ah, what the hell, I'll get some general admission go see these guys. So I went and saw Midnight Oil. And as soon as I play the song, you're going to know what the song is. And I will tell you that I, I don't know who started this fad, this phase, whatever, but I don't want to see my artist, my concert, my, the, 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 you know, the venue, whatever, get on their soapbox and start, you know, bashing any political uh, uh, member or stance or, or taking, you know, some kind of, uh, their two seconds to tell me how they feel about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or who, or Barack Obama, whatever it is. I paid 30 bucks to fucking see a concert, not to hear you bitch about politics. And, you know, I, I honestly think that if you kind of go back through the years and think who really started this, and I'm sure it started way before then, but I think U2 was probably one of the most outspoken uh, bands out there that kind of launched this, that you know, made it acceptable for them to take their two minutes to say, oh, you know, F Trump or F Clinton or whatever it is. And it's just, it's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to hear you play the hits that you haven't played in 30 years. And I want to sing along with the song. And then I want to leave. <laughs> like, I don't want to get all bummed out about, you know, uh, North Korea fired off another missile today. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I, I'm getting away from that. That's why I paid 30 bucks to detach from reality and come back to, you know, what, what I remember and what I was a kid and I grew up and I loved. And Midnight Oil kind of just ruined that for me. Uh, on Thursday night last week. And I will say this, 
I have never been to a concert that had smellier people and more uh, disgusting. And I'm telling you, they were the smelliest audience. Everybody smelled like old cheese. <laughs> it was very weird. Everybody was wearing, I mean, not everybody, but you know, a lot of the guys were wearing shorts or like cargo shorts. Uh, and maybe they're all from the outback, you know, Australia and all that stuff. And maybe that's just how they go to concerts, whatever. But Dudes were wearing flip-flops and shorts and hats were backwards. And listen, you don't have to get dressed up in a tuxedo. I'm not saying that at all, but like look presentable. I mean, it was freezing ass cold. Dudes are wearing t-shirts and you know, you could tell they're fucking freezing, but the crowd just reeked. Like I heard their popular song and I fucking bailed. Like I was so out of there. It was crazy. I waited all of 30 seconds for an Uber. That's how, that's how quickly I couldn't wait to get out. So anyways, here's a little, you know, we all remember the song. It was a great song, but I'm telling you, if Midnight Oil comes to your town, don't waste the money. If your friend has a free ticket and you don't have to reimburse them, I would almost say don't go. <laughs> it was that bad. I, I you know, I, I probably knew two songs. Everybody else was singing along, but listen, you know, it, it's, uh, I've moved on. All right. I'm not stuck in the nineties. And I think that a lot of this crowd definitely was stuck in the nineties. So here's a little midnight, uh, oil for you. Beds are burning. You know, I, I can't even listen to more of that. I was, so, I was so disgusted with that concert. It was it was not a great concert. The performance wasn't great. And, you know, the song is, is fantastic, but I want to remember the song and I don't want to remember the concert. It was, um, it was just that bad, people. Sorry. Moving on. Because I, I just, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> this is last Thursday. It still stuck with me. I will tell you this. The, I have seen these guys, the next uh, band, here. I have seen them twice in concert now. Now, the last time I saw them wasn't technically a concert. It was actually at the uh, Grammy Museum up the street here in downtown LA. And it was kind of more of a, uh, like an interview process type thing. The bandmates were up there and then they got up and they played a couple of songs and there was maybe 75 to a hundred people in the Grammy, uh, uh, museum there, which was incredible that I was even allowed to get in. I, I got a ticket from a woman that was outside. I live near the Grammy museum. So I walk up to Staples center and and the Novo all the time and see if I can, you know, either bum a ticket or buy a scalp ticket. And generally I pay, but this woman, I think she even gave me the ticket and it was a, a very cool treat to see this next band. But I will tell you going back to late 1980s, maybe early nineties, I want to say, this band um, made such an impression on me. I saw them at the Aladdin Hotel in Las Vegas when I lived there. And this hands down, and I, and I, I will say they are tied for first because there's no way I could knock Pearl Jam, uh, who I've seen I think four times now in concert. There's no way I could knock them off the number one spot because their energy is, is just off the charts. It's just incredible. But the cult is definitely tied for first place. 
I absolutely love the energy on stage. And you're talking no pyrotechnics, no uh, drummers flipping upside down in a cage, no dancers, no this, no lip syncing. This is rock fucking music, smashing guitars, you know, just unbelievable couple guys on stage and entertaining the hell out of 1,000, 1,200 people. The cult by far is uh, has nailed rock music in my opinion. Here's Firewoman. That voice, oh, that voice, those guitars. I mean, it's so badass. Oh my God, and that look, you gotta see these videos. You gotta go to YouTube, but hold on. Here it comes, here it comes. Oh, I love it, I love it. The Colt, hands down, tied for first place for one of the best concerts I've ever, ever seen in my life. And I think if you've kind of noticed a little pattern here about uh, the music that I enjoy, the music that I love, and I noticed this last night when I was kind of coming up with this idea, um, all of the artists have very distinct, unique voices behind them. And uh, they're not mundane. They're not, you know, the, um, the typical, I don't know, like pop type, uh, pop, 20 or pop 40, whatever you call it, uh, hits where everything kind of sounds the same. And it's, you know, Ariana Grande and a little Taylor Swift. And every once in a while you go like, Oh, was that juicy J or whoever it was, you know, that when you hear that song or that music, that's the cult, <laughs> you know, and talking about, uh, unique, distinct voices. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna tell you anything about this next one right here, because as soon as you hear it, you're gonna start singing along. So you all know who that is, right? Smashing Pumpkins, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. I mean, Billy Corrigan, I believe that's his name, if I'm not mistaken. What a voice. What the angst in that voice is so incredible. I mean, this was the 90s here. This, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Temple of the Dog, Soundgarden. I mean, just the anger. I love it. It's so great. I, I can't get enough of Smashing Pumpkins. I can still listen to these guys uh, today. You know, if that comes on Sirius Radio and I got the pumpkins playing, whether it's today or 1979 or Bullet uh, for, with Butterfly Wings, 
absolutely I am rocking out to this stuff and not changing the channel. These guys were phenomenal in concert and you want to talk about energy and passion and commanding a stage. I mean, it was like they all had their places on stage and I saw them in Vegas at, I believe, Sam Boyd's Silver Bowl, uh, Silver Bowl or no, it was the Thomas and Mac Arena, actually. And I mean, this was a stadium, a sellout stadium, probably 93-ish. And it was the height of, uh, of Smashing Pumpkins, who later broke up, which I never understand why bands break up. I mean, you see some of these bands that have been together forever. You too, great example. Learn how to get along with people. Quit being such a dick. <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure there's so much behind the scenes that goes on that we have no idea. And uh, you know, who knows? It's gotta be extremely difficult to travel I don't know, what is it, 300 days a year, 350 days a year playing uh, concerts and tours and going to Europe and going here and there and all that stuff. It's got to be incredibly, incredibly difficult. But I think that uh, I, I, the bands that stay together, I think they only get stronger and they only get better. Stones, perfect example. I mean, those guys, uh, sure, I'm sure there's been some hard times, but I hate to see the Smashing Pumpkins break up, but uh, you know they're always gonna do those reunions if they're all still around, and I uh, can't wait for that reunion if it ever, ever happens. So going on to my first concert ever, ever, Irvine Amphitheater. Uh, again, back in Irvine, and this was uh, a couple concerts I saw in Irvine that I didn't put on the list here to, uh, to play. Oingo Boingo, three Halloweens in a row, and Ziggy Marley opened up for one of them. And I'll tell you, Ziggy Marley, Oh man, it was just, it was like, you know, you, you know those bands, Elvis. Elvis is a great example. I'll never be able to see Elvis. I'll never be able to see Bob Marley. I'll never be able to see the Beatles. But I saw Ziggy Marley and it kind of, it put me in a little time capsule and brought me back to like, shit, maybe this is what it was like with Bob Marley. You know, I mean, that would have been incredible to see him. Uh, the Cars was my first concert ever. And I think some dude named Brian uh, Gregson Gro Krogan or something like that. He was a good buddy of mine, probably about eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, something like that. I, was, I, I think I was probably about eighth grade, maybe 14 years old. He took me there and uh, he invited me. It was great. Like it was the first time I'd ever gotten invited to a concert and I didn't know what to expect. And the cars were in their prime. I mean, I don't even know how much tickets cost back in the day, but the cars were so fantastic and it was just music you could sing along with and you knew the words to everything. And, uh, oh, here we go. Just what I needed. That's exactly what I needed back then. It's just what I need right now. Peace. 
I could have let that play forever. <laughs> I mean, I just had to hear the, hear that part. Just what I needed. Oh, it's so great. We all can sing along with it, right? I mean, I've got a smile ear to ear in my face. It's uh, it's so incredible. Uh, the cars were great, and again, another band that was so simple on stage. No flash. No no glitz. No fireworks. No nothing because they didn't need it. You knew the lyrics. You knew the music, and it just kicked ass. Speaking of kicking ass, let's go back to the 90s again, and you want to talk about a band that just dominated, and uh, poor lead singer, um, God, his name slips me right now, but I'm pretty sure he passed away about four years ago of an overdose, but STP and Stone Temple Pilots, you know, what a, I mean, it just, it shaped who we were all these bands, the Nirvanas I go back to, the Soundgarden, the Pearl Jams, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, it just shaped who we were as kids. And, you know, I still think of myself as a kid when I'm in 18, 19, 22 years old. I mean, you definitely are. And listening to this kind of music really... You know, the grunge, I remember the grunge and the flannels and the uh, construction boots and stuff and the torn up jeans. It was just such a, a great look. And it's funny how, you know, you go to H&M and guess what? They've got that same look coming back. Isn't it crazy? It all just comes full circle. But little STP Vaseline. Oh, that guitar. Yeah. Oh, that guy's great, man. You know, I, I I couldn't imagine, you know, getting addicted to heroin or cocaine or anything like that. You know, drinking's been my thing. And uh, listen, I, I think I'm smart enough to realize don't get behind a wheel, don't drink too much. And listen, we all have done it. We've all partied way too hard. But I, I understand that, you know, heroin is like the most difficult thing to get off of. And I don't remember if he died of heroin or not. I know he struggled with addiction big time. But God, you know, I just, it's such a, a life wasted that these guys could have put out so much more music. And who knows, maybe heroin was part of why the music was so great and why he was able to write such deep and, and incredible songs and stuff. But you just hate to see a life taken, um, you know, that uh, that might have been able to be prevented and stuff. And I don't know, such a, such a drag, such a bummer. So sorry to see him go. Moving on, you know, a buddy of mine took me to a, a concert, and I was never really a huge fan of this band, and I'm still not really... They had their time and place, in my opinion, and everybody likes who they like, and, you know, I'm again, I'm into Pearl Jam. My buddy is a big, big REM fan, and Losing My Religion, we all know the words, we all know the music. Um, I just never really got REM, and talk about a political stance type thing that I had mentioned uh, before about Midnight Oil and how they kind of got on their political soapbox. REM was another one of those. I remember uh, it was, uh, what was it, the Music Awards uh, for MTV or something like that, where the lead singer, Michael Stripe, 
got up and he was wearing all these t-shirts and kept pulling off his t-shirt after t-shirt after t-shirt and it said you know like free our country and i just you know i couldn't even fathom putting on all those t-shirts on number one and then keeping them organized to have a message read as i'm getting my uh, acceptance speech whatever but here's you know listen it's a concert i've seen i don't regret going i'm thankful that my buddy took me there and stuff he enjoyed it which made me enjoy it but here's rem Ah, those mandolins drive me nuts. <laughs> oh, life is bigger. It's bigger than you. All right, we get it. You can look it up later if you want. <laughs> if you want to hear it, I don't know. I just, uh, I just can't get into it for some reason. I'm not. Uh, hey, listen, we're fans of who we're fans of, right? I'm gonna play some music for you that you're gonna say that shit sucks, Gallardi. Anyways, so I saw Post Malone probably six months ago at the Wiltern, and the Wiltern's a pretty good venue. I think they need to change the carpet. Maybe that maybe Midnight Oil didn't have stinky people. Maybe it was the carpet that stunk. So I apologize to the fans of Midnight Oil. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys stunk. I'm telling you, take a fucking shower, right? But anyways, I saw this kid open up for Post Malone, and I'll I'll rant about Post Malone first because he is not great in concert. I love his music, but I do not like his concerts. This kid who opened up for him killed it. This guy slayed the crowd. It was unbelievable. Post Malone, on the other hand, came out and he played to a track. And so if you've got music in the background, you don't have to sing. That's not what I paid for. I paid to see you. I want to hear the dude sing. And... You know, he was more of a hype man. He was more of a, a Flav of Flav in, in that sense, you know, uh, uh, hyping up his own track. And anytime you take the mic and you hold it out to the audience for the audience to sing, then I should owe them 30 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever I paid to get in to see Post Malone because they're singing, not you. And I have a real fucking problem with that. I want to hear the guy I came to see sing and not just hype it up. But this kid that opened up for him really kind of, um, you know, he, he, listen, I don't think he's still discovered. He's still not known. And I think his music is great. I think the way he writes is great. Uh, I know you're going to hate it, but that's okay because this is who I like. But I'll tell you, this kid commanded the room. He went out into general admission at the Wiltern, and he had people raise him up by his legs. And he was standing 10 feet, 12 feet tall in the air so everybody could see him off the stage in general admission. And he was still rapping and rhyming his music. It was incredible. So Jazz Cartier, uh, wake me up when it's over. Here you go. On your shoulders, just waking up when it's over. These nights get colder and colder. Now I'm knowing it's over. I fell asleep on your shoulder, just waking up when it's over. Wake me up when it's over. Wake me up when it's over. Now I'm knowing it's over. I fell asleep on your shoulder, just wake me up when it's over. 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 Pretty girl with the necklace. Pretty, pretty lady. Time is money, baby. May I have a second? Just a second, baby. You just wanna be. All right, probably not the best fucking example. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, listen, I, I. First and foremost, rap music is my thing. I love rap music. But this kid, he killed it in concert. And obviously, I picked the wrong song right there. Uh, I was trying to find something that you guys might be able to relate to, but. Uh, 
that shit sucked right there. That was whack. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, but Jazz Cartier, I'm telling you, go go look him up, and I think you'll get into it. I think you'll dig him. And uh, I, I know I did. I think he was great in concert, and he is definitely worth the, worth, uh, worth the price of admission. Now, Post Malone, on the other hand, love listening to his music, but uh, I don't know if I would be that quick to jump to go see the cat again. Here's Post Malone. We all know it. White Iverson. Listen, the kid has got great music, and he's got music that we all know, we can all sing along to, and, uh, you know, he's a little goofy. I kind of like him, though. You know, he's, he's a little chubby, and uh, and that's cool. He's not fat. He's not skinny. He's a little chubby. Maybe I kind of look at him like, like he's me. <laughs> I'm not fat. I'm not skinny. I'm a little chubby. What can I say? <laughs> so anyways, Post Malone, uh, I'd probably skip the concert, but I would definitely buy the album. And uh, he's got some great stuff. The new Congratulations out there is great. Um, what else? He's got Too Young. He's got Go Flex. Uh, uh, Go Flex is a good song. He plays a lot of guitar in it and stuff. And I did hear a little rumor about Post Malone that he is thinking about going country. Yes. Country music, can you imagine that? And I can actually hear it. If you go listen to Go Flex, you can hear that country twang in the background, I'm telling you. So let's move on here, kids. Wow, you want to talk about a duo. And I kid you not, uh, Vegas 1992 maybe? This was definitely at Sam Boyd Silver Bowl. Now, this is a two-parter here. I saw The Grateful Dead three years in a row. And... Yes, I smoked some weed when I was there. <laughs> I don't know what was in it. Uh, I, I, I think I even went to the concert by myself. I have no problem going to concerts by myself. I think it's a blast. I, I enjoy it. And listen, I, you know, sometimes I get a little moody, and I'd rather just be by myself. I want to go do what I want to do. So I saw the Grateful Dead three years in a row. And uh, let me see. They had some of the most interesting artists open up for them. And the first artist that I'm going to tell you about, and actually the only artist I'm going to tell you about that opened up, because this was the most memorable for me, was such a, a complete opposite. I have no idea who came up with this, but I thought it was brilliant because you brought together, and you brought together these two uh, like uh, polar opposites of music and the genre and everything. But Public Enemy opened up for Grateful Dead probably in the early '90s. And it was the most amazing, crazy thing that I have ever witnessed for a rock concert. And this is an outdoor stadium. But, you know, when you had Public Enemy open up, I, I, I don't know. I think people just kind of went like, what? <laughs> I came to see the dead. And then you got Public Enemy. Can't trust it. Now, can you imagine going to this concert in an outdoor stadium, you're here in Public Enemy, and then you roll right into a little bit of 
Grateful Dead. Everybody out there is tripping on shrooms and who knows what else. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. I will tell you a great, uh, I will tell you a great Grateful Dead story, and this is no joke. And I, I don't think I was high. <laughs> so. I'm sure I was uh, definitely a little lit on some beer and stuff, uh, but Sam Boyd Silver Bowl is an outdoor stadium. It's where the UNLV running Rebels used to play, or maybe they still play their football. Um, but Grateful Dead does this like Indian chant drum solo, whatever. It's 104 degrees out in the sun. Uh, people are just baking and drinking water and drinking beer and doing whatever else they're doing. And all of a sudden this drum solo, I mean, it's like a 15 to 20 minute playing the drums over and over and the bongos and all that stuff. Next thing I know, the clouds start rolling in. Wait a minute. It's sunny. It's bright. It's, it's beautiful out here and stuff. The clouds start coming in and boom, thunderstorms starts pouring rain and the Indian chant dance song thing that they're doing lightning thunder it freaked me the fuck out it was 10 minutes ago 20 minutes ago sunny skies bright brilliant beautiful raining pouring rain and then they wind down 22 minutes later this drum solo clouds are gone it was fucking mind-blowing. That was probably the, the craziest experience. Um, oh, I just thought of another one. I got two crazy experiences. That was number one, though, definitely. Let's talk about another great concert that did open up for the Grateful Dead. I, I, I do remember that I was going to tell you um, uh, that I was not going to give you two of them, but I'm going to give you two here. And this, uh, With or Without You by U2. Now you're probably thinking, why in the hell would you two open up for the Grateful Dead? And I'm telling you, this, this is what it was like in the 90s, seeing concerts in Vegas. It was, it didn't have to make sense. And you got to remember, in the 90s, U2 wasn't that old. I mean, they came out in the late 80s and stuff. Grateful Dead had a massive, massive following. They have been around forever. And uh, it just made sense. I mean, who would have thought Public Enemy? But in that Public Enemy, that was their their prime time. So kind of going into another crazy concert that I had seen. I actually love calling radio stations. And I won some tickets to go see a concert at the House of Blues on Sunset. I love getting up close. I love, you know, like touching the, the stars, the artists. I love, you know, reaching out, grabbing their hand. It's just a great story for me. I'm like, I'm like a little kid. You know, I'm like a 13-year-old a girl going up to Justin Bieber or something like that, screaming like, oh, my God, please touch my hand. I love it. It's fun to me. And so my wife knows this, and God bless her. We're at the small, tiny venue uh, uh, on Sunset Strip, House of Blues. And so she's trying to scoot up and, and get closer to the stage for me. And I'm kind of like right behind her. She's holding my hand in front of me and everything. And so next thing I know, this guy next to her, this big fucking Mexican dude, he is dancing and kind of bumps into her. Or she bumps into him, whatever. And so they kind of look at each other and she is such a sweetheart. She's like, oh, sorry, you know, uh, you know, my bad type thing. 
and and he's probably about two people away from the stage. So we're just that close to getting to the stage. Bumps into her again, or she bumps into him again, whatever. The guy looks over to her and he goes, bump me again and I'll cut your fucking throat. <laughs> so I, I, I can only laugh because she's still alive, right? So she is still alive and, and we, we pretty much ended up leaving there immediately afterwards. This was a, a very uh, rough concert, even though it was at the House of Blues. But anytime somebody says, if you bump me again, I'm going to cut your fucking throat. <laughs> That's, I got to go. Uh, check, please. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, Nas. Freedom of jail, clips inserted. A baby's being born, same time a man is murdered. The beginning and end. As far as rap goes, it's only natural. I explain my plateau and also what defines my name. First it was nasty, but times have changed. Ask me now, I'm the artist. But hardcore, my signs for pain. I spent time in the game, kept my mind on fame. Saw things shoot up and do lines of... That's it, everybody. Nasty Nas. He didn't get that name for no reason, but Nas is like. That's that song. And uh, Nas was great. The, the 20 or 30 minutes that we got to see him in concert, I mean, he was fantastic. Let's kind of flip it now. Let's go to something completely the opposite direction. And that's okay, because I'm telling you, it's music, and music makes you feel good. You gotta get out there, and you gotta see concerts, damn it. I'm talking about a little Barry Manilow. I remember all my life. Oh, yeah, so great. Raining down as cold as I Saw him at the Greek theater. Shadows of a man, a face through a window, crying in the night, the night goes Sing it, people. Just another day. Happy people pass my way. Looking in their eyes. If you I could just see my face right now, I am smiling ear to ear. Come on, here it comes. Happy you made me oh, baby. <laughs> Come on, it makes you smile, right? Tell me that doesn't make you feel good. I mean, it's Barry fucking Manilow. You're never going to see him again. Go see him. It's incredible. And when you get 5,000 of your closest friends in a stadium and you're all singing along and you know the words and it's, oh my God, it's just... It's fantastic. I mean, listen to my voice. I, I literally can't stop smiling with this in the background. He is just fantastic, and I would see him 10 more times. Oh, Mandy. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. Oh, love that. Love that. What else we got here for you? Another great concert. This one was at the Hollywood Bowl, actually. And I didn't realize how many members were in this band. I mean, it was, I think it was 13 people, something like that. But Chicago, and let me tell you, the lead singer of Chicago, his voice is perfect. I mean, perfect pitch, perfect tone, perfect. It sounds exactly the same as it did in the 80s. And, uh, and I mean, there's trumpet players and 
I don't know, drummers and keyboards and guitars and uh, probably a harmonica guy and a flute guy. And I don't know. But when you hear this song, you're going to know. And, and, and it was, they took up the entire stage at the Hollywood Bowl and everybody was jamming. And I would, again, same like Barry Manilow, I would see these guys 10 more times. Fantastic. Waiting for the break of day Searching for something to say Flashing lights against the sky There's those horns! I'm telling you, it sounds better now when I saw them than it does on this recording right here. It was so unbelievable to see these guys in that horn section. It was like, uh, you know what, it, it, it made me kind of think a little Blues Brother-ish. I mean, this is the same kind of tone and, and music and the horn section and all that stuff. I absolutely love the Blues Brothers and uh, I, you know, that music and Cat Calloway and all that stuff. God, I just love harmonica players, love horn sections, and uh, God, it was great. And I'm telling you, I think they even sound better now than they do in this, uh, this re audio recording. Uh, who else we got here? So this next band, this is one thing that I always kind of like wonder is, when you get a hit song or hit songs, and you are just known for those songs. And let's say you played them 35 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever. Beach Boys, great example. I mean, how many times do you think they played, I wish they all could be California, California. You know, it's like they probably have played that song, I don't know, a thousand times, 10,000 times. Who knows? But don't you think like, Shit, I'm tired of playing. <laughs> I wish they all could be. <laughs> it's like I would go nuts hearing that. But they go out there, they do it with style, they continue to play the same songs over and over again because it's the songs the fans love. And I appreciate that about the Beach Boys and this next artist, the B-52s. I saw them in Vegas, and let me tell you, they were mind-blowing. When you have four people on stage and it's just like the cult and it's just like Pearl Jam and it's just like all those bands that I've mentioned beforehand that just command a stage with no tricks or gimmicks or nothing. It's just them and you got Fred up on stage. Oh my God, the B-52s in your own private Idaho. <laughs> I mean, was that just a, an unmistakable sound back then? And even today, you haven't heard anything like that. And I just love the, the keyboards. I love when the girl chimes in and she's got her things and they talk about Rock Lobster and the other song. It's just so different. It's so unique, but it makes you jump up and down. It makes you, it makes you wanna just be alive, people. Yes, I love it. B-52s, hands down, one of the best bands ever, in my opinion. I hope they're in the Hall of Fame. I didn't check it out, but uh, 1986 rolled around, and you got this band out there. Now, I saw them a year ago, 
And this is probably one of the only bands that you can think of that had a lead singer and was wildly successful. Lead singer left, and not because he passed away. And they just decided, hey, I'm going to go my own separate way. And they bring in another lead singer. And they are just as, if not more successful, with the next lead singer. Now, as the first guy, and if you already picked up on it, I am talking about Van Halen, David Lee Roth and Sammy Lee Hagar. So, uh, or David, uh, Sammy Hagar, not Sammy Lee Hagar, sorry. Uh, but David Lee Roth, wildly successful with Van Halen, and that is, to me, my Van Halen. I always think of Van Halen. I think of David Lee Roth. Diamond Dave! Oh, I love that guy. And 1986 rolls around, and I was in some... Uh, what do you call those things? Uh, uh, hanging out with my buddies and like those little, uh, not a library, but those like schools that you go to after school where it's kind of like a playground, but then you've got, you know, you got a ch- like a community center. There you go. So they had this stage in this community center and we used to get up on stage and we would play on our, on our uh, boom box uh, this next song right here and we would pretend that we were Diamond David Lee Roth jumping off stage. Here you go. I love it. Diamond Dave. Oh, he's so, so great. Panama Jump. I mean, Hot for Teacher. Come on, Hot for Teacher. The best, right? Gotta love these guys, Van Halen. But Sammy Hagar, I mean, he did uh, he did Van Halen some justice, I will say. So I saw him with Sammy, Lee, uh, Sammy Hagar. I don't know why I keep saying Sammy Lee, but uh, anyways, going back to last year, another great, great band, uh, The Crew. Come on, baby. Kickstart my heart. Here we go. Oh, it makes you want to bang your head against something. It makes you want to fight. I love it. Oh, yeah, so great. Well, listen, we're coming to an end here of all the concerts that I've seen, and not all the concerts, but a great handful of concerts. And I kind of wanted to mix it up a little bit for you and kind of leave you with this thing. Uh, in 1987, I went to a concert. Uh, it was a, it, This is a comedy show. I just want just to let you know that. And we used to party hard, <laughs> let me tell you. 1987, we're in Vegas and just out of high school, basically. Maybe it was a little bit later. Maybe it was about 92-ish. Uh, we're at the, I want to say the Aladdin again, me and a couple of buddies. Next thing I know, they get up and they introduce in this big, big, uh, actually, I take it back. It was Bally's. We were at Bally's Hotel and Casino. We we're going, we paid some great money to see this uh, comedian. Now, when you're thinking uh, early 90s, who are you thinking of? The Dice Man Cometh, right? Absolutely. They get up, they announce, uh, hey, look, everybody. Back in the day, they used to announce when celebrities were there. And it was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was there. It was really kind of cool. And you're like, oh, wow, look at him. I'm only, you know, five rows away. <laughs> No problem. I can barely see him. Maybe it is him. Maybe it isn't. But Andrew Dice Clay came out on stage, and what did I do? 
I fell asleep on the table. I laid my head down. I was so tired and it was like an 8 p.m. show. I fell asleep through the entire Andrew Dice Clay comedy set. The one and only time I've seen the Dice Man and I missed it. <laughs> so for those of you who know him and for those of you who love him, here you go. Jack and Joe went up the hill, both with a buck and a quarter. Joe came down with 250. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the uh, Party Gilardi podcast. I had to finish out with a little Dice Clay. He is just uh, my all-time favorite. Go check me out on Instagram and Facebook at Party Gilardi Podcast. Twitter is going to be Party Gilardi Pod. And uh, the website, partygilardi.com. Check it out, everybody. Thanks. Have a great night. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.